grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Matthew, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, here we are in the month of August, and that unfortunately means that summer will be over soon. But for the time being, we're still going to be joining Jesus by the sea and hear what his word says to us. And since many of you are still heading to the lake, grabbing your cup of coffee and sitting by the water, we see Jesus do the same thing this morning. But he doesn't sit by the water for too long, doesn't have time, all that much time, to enjoy the coffee with no one else around to bother him. Many of you probably know what that's like, especially if you have children. Because there's such a great crowd that gathers around him that he actually has to get into a boat and speak to them on the water while they all stand on the beach. This does take place before the feeding of 5,000 that you heard last week. So the crowd might not be that large yet, or it could be that large already. Either way, it's large enough for him to feel the need to speak to them from the water. And he tells them the parable of the sower. And a parable can be simply defined as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Now, sometimes parables are hard for us to understand, especially that heavenly meaning part. And others are explained to us so that nothing is left to interpretation. The parable of the sower is more like the latter. Everything is explained by Jesus. A sower goes out to sow. Some seed falls on the path and the birds eat it. Some seed falls on the rocks and it grows quickly but has not enough soil, no deep roots, and the sun scorches it. Some seed falls among thorns and as it grows, it is choked by them. Some seed falls, finally, on good soil and grows and grows and grows. That's the earthly story part. The heavenly meaning is also explained. The seed, which is the word of God, that falls on the ground, on the path, are those who hear the word but don't understand it. And Satan, the bird, comes along and snatches it away so that the seed never has a chance to take root and grow. The seed that falls on the rocks are those that hear the word, it grows up quickly, but once trouble comes into their life, it dies out as quickly as it sprang up. The seed that falls among thorns are those who hear the word of God and grow, but then the cares and concerns and temptations of this world take priority and choke the life out of it, and that does not bear fruit. And finally, the seed that falls on the good soil are those who hear the word of God and grow and grow and grow and bear fruit, fruit that lasts to eternity. The end. Amen. Have a great week. No, I'm just kidding. While I think that this parable is explained, I still think that there are some questions that remain that we can ask us to help us understand this parable better and how it applies to our life. Maybe you've thought about them as well. The first is, why is this even called the parable of the sower? 
I mean, when you think about parables, usually the named individual is the main subject of the parable, right? Parable of the prodigal son. Parable of the good Samaritan. Here, the sower sows the seeds. And that's the end. The main subject of the parable is the seed. So it really should be called the parable of the sower's seeds. The other question I have is why is the sower so terrible at sowing seeds? I mean, it sounds like he just throws it recklessly wherever he is. I mean, the path, everyone knows it's going to get trampled on. It's not going to grow there. Same with the rocks. Now, I don't know how expensive seed was back then, but he seems kind of wasteful. Now, while my first question is less serious and less deserving of an answer, the second question is of greater importance. Here's an important part to understand with this parable, though. The only people that this parable is about are those who hear the word of God. That's what we see with Jesus saying, he who has ears, let him hear. All of the places where the seed lands are the different types of people and their reactions who hear the word. This parable does not apply to those who do not hear the word of God. This parable is not about those who have never set foot in a church before, never been in a Bible study. In order for this to apply to you, you have to have heard the word of God. He who has ears, let him hear. Because the seed, the word of God, reaches all of those individuals, you, in some way. The word is heard and it is received by four different groups of people. And that's why there are four different reactions to the seed being sown. So even though it might appear reckless that the seed is just landing everywhere, it's intentional to the parable. And it's important to your life as well. And we'll get there in a moment. In as much as there are four groups in this parable, ultimately there's only two. Those who hear the word of God and believe it and bear fruit— and those who don't. The first three groups, the path, the rocks, the thorns, are those who don't believe to eternity. And that last group, the good soil, is the group that receives eternal life. Now, this doesn't mean that 75% of people who hear the word of God don't believe their whole life, and that 25% of people are saved who are in our midst or who are listening online. But it does give you something to think about when Jesus says something like, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Because one of the things that's happening in this parable is Jesus is giving his disciples a clue as to what is going to happen to many of them. The word will go out to many, but not many will be good soil and believe and bear fruit. Just think about the size of the crowd that Jesus is now speaking to. Maybe it's 5,000 men plus women and children. Was that the same size of the crowd come Palm Sunday? When Jesus enters Jerusalem as their king? Or were there even more then? What about on Good Friday? Where are they then? 
I mean, surely 5,000 men could have prevented Jesus from being crucified, right? Maybe that's because the majority of this crowd heard the word, but it hadn't grown. Maybe those who followed Jesus only wanted the miracles, to be fed, to be saved from the Romans because they thought he was their political messiah, their earthly king. You see, even for Jesus, he sowed seed, but not everyone believed. I mean, you can think about some of those who heard the word of God from him and who each scenario may apply to. I'm like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right? They heard Jesus plenty of times. Are they like the seed that fell on the path that the birds snatched away and the word of God never took root in them? Maybe. What about those who heard the word? It grew in their life, but troubles or concerns or temptations became more important. There's plenty of examples that we could think about. I mean, there were a number of disciples who stopped following Jesus when his teachings became too hard to understand. Some of those people who were super gung-ho at the beginning later turn and reject Jesus. I think about Peter saying, if everyone falls away, I will never fall away. And later that night, Peter denies Jesus three times. Judas follows Jesus only for a time, and then he betrays him for money. Speaking of which, Jesus even said it very clearly. You cannot serve both God and money. What about our world today? Why have all of the people left Jesus? Why have so many people who were once part of the church left the church, have not been around in years? Is it because trouble has come into their life and their faith has withered and died? Is it because the cares, the concerns, the temptations, the priorities of this world have taken precedence in their lives? Work, sports, family, friends, school, sleep. And as a result, Christ has been choked out of their life. Is it because they never really allowed it to grow because Satan snatched it away from them before it even had a chance to take root? These three groups that don't grow are also three areas of our life that we talk about regularly. The devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. All of these things want to lead us away from Christ by means of temptations and trials and anxieties and riches and pleasure. And I don't think it would be very hard for any of us to think about one person we know who used to be a part of the church and no longer is for any number of reasons. But what about those of you who consider yourself to be the good soil because you're like, none of this applies to me, you know, I'm good. Well, here's the thing. Those of us, you who are good soil, are no different than anyone else. We are all sinners, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. There is nothing that we have done to deserve God's grace, to be good soil. We, in fact, are unworthy and only deserving of having salvation snatched away from us for all eternity because of our sin. We only are deserving of punishment and pain and suffering and death, eternal death, hell. Therefore, we 
don't want to be like the Pharisee comparing himself to the tax collector and say, God, I thank you that I'm not like the rocks or the path or the thorns, that I am good soil. No, there is nothing good in us. We are not good soil on our own. The only reason that any of us believe and bear fruit is because of Christ. And he is our model. Because Christ overcame the devil, the world, and his sinful flesh. At least the temptations of the flesh, since he was without sin. He thwarted all of the temptations of Satan. And how did he overcome those temptations? By using the word of God. He overcame the temptations of this world. He did not take the easy way out. Instead of coming down from the cross, he died on it. He gave up his life for us. He avoided the desires of the, f- of the flesh and became the perfect sacrifice for us, for the sins of the world. Through his death and resurrection, he brings us forgiveness. He brings us salvation, and he makes it possible for us to be good soil. He is the one who makes it possible for us to respond in faith and bear fruit, to grow and mature, because he is in us, and we are in him, because the work of the Holy Spirit is there to give us the gift of faith and to keep us in the faith. Or to put it another way, as Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the reason for our faithfulness. Jesus sowed the seed, and then the disciples sowed the seed. And throughout history, many people have sowed seeds, the word of God, and it has reached our ears. That's because Jesus' command to sow is the Great Commission. Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Therefore, when you think about it, the sower isn't reckless at all. I mean, you can view him as that, but he's reckless for a reason, and in fact, it's a very wonderful reason. The seed is the word of God. It is sown everywhere to everyone. The reckless seed, the word of God, is what goes out to all nations. The sower, who can be anyone who shares the good news, the word of God, sows out of love for others. And as a result, this parable is as much about you hearing the word of God as it has to do with what you do with the word of God. So we could easily change this from the parable of the sower to be called the parable of you. Plants produce seed. As seed grows and becomes a plant, a vegetable, a fruit, a flower, these things produce seeds as well. As the word of God grows in your life, you have the seed, the word of God, that you are able to plant in the lives of others. And you do it recklessly, without care of where it goes, but with great care for others, so that all may hear 
because God wants all the world to hear his word and believe in him. And as a follower of Jesus, so do you. Those who truly believe want the same thing that God does, for all people to believe in Jesus Christ and to have eternal life. Sowers, keep on sowing by the power of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working in them. There is a great need in our world for the word of God. The good news of Jesus Christ are words for all of us to share. So we sow, and we sow, and we sow. And we pray that God works in the lives of others to make it grow, just like he did ours. And we pray that God keeps us faithful and believing all of the days of our life, like the seed that falls on good soil, the seed that grows to eternal life. For we who believe... We know for certain that God has saved us by Jesus' death and resurrection. And he can do the same for others, just like he did with us. Because nothing is impossible with God. That is the good news of great joy that is for all people. Amen.